Hey there, it's Dr. Nazanin Mo'oli, and I want to chat with you about a key ingredient for a fabulous date night, feeling sexy. And come on, let's be real. What you wear plays a big part in how you rock that confidence. That's why I'm thrilled to introduce you to Quince. Quince brings you premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts starting at just $30, along with washable silk tops, 40-carat gold jewelry, and more. And guess what? All of their goodies are priced 50 to 80% lower than similar brands. By teaming up directly with top factories, Quince skipped the middleman and hands us the saving. Plus, they stick to factories with safe, ethical practices and top-notch fabrics and finishes. How awesome is that? Picking from Quince's website was tough because they have a ton of fabulous choices. I ended up going for their 100% washable silk sleep dress in champagne. And let me tell you, my husband was floored. He's convinced whoever rocks this is in for a blast. I'm going to record some content on that dress so you can see how fabulous is that dress. Elevate your date night style with Quince. Pop over to quince.com slash sexology for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's quince.com slash sexology to get free shipping and 365-day returns. quince.com slash sexology. Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello there. Welcome to episode 336 of Sexology Podcast, your go-to source for insightful, candid, and research-based conversations around the most intriguing aspects of human sexuality and relationships. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Mo'oli, certified sex therapist and passionate advocate for sexual wellness. In today's episode, we're turning up the heat and accelerating the pace with a topic that might just challenge your usual understanding of intimacy. We are talking about the art, the excitement, and the intimacy of the quickie. Yes, you heard it right, the quickie. We'll delve into the essentials of what a quickie really is, debunking myths and setting the stage for understanding its unique benefits. We'll navigate the pathways of effective communication, helping couples express their desire for their spontaneous passion play without causing misunderstanding or conflict. We'll also guide you through the potential challenges helping you use Quickie as a tool for intimacy and connection without losing sight of the importance of mutual consent and respect. Finally, step into the world of erotic fantasy and role-playing in Quickie, making each moment more intense and memorable. Joining us today is our distinguished guest, Lola Jean, a well-known sex educator, mental health professional, and a record holder for Volume Scorder. She has made strides in the world of sex education with her popular workshop, 
no frills, sex education, and it's been lauded in several publications, including the New York Times Magazine and Vice Magazine. And today, she brings her expertise to our discussion on quickies. Stay with us for an episode that promises to be quick, but incredibly impactful. Let's explore together the allure, the spontaneity, and the intimacy of the quickie right here on the Sexology Podcast. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I am so excited to welcome Lola Jean to our show. Lola, welcome to our show. Thank you. <laughs> Today we're going to talk about the topic that many of our listeners are very curious about. They want to know about Quickie. We have over than 300, I, I believe like more than 300, episodes. We haven't talked about Quickies and it seems like it's a topic that people want to learn more about that. So tell us what, what exactly is a Quickie? So I mean, like so many things within sex and things related to sex, everyone's going to have their own definition for it. But I think, you know, within the name quick, it's something that is there's a lot of immediacy to it. The length of time that it lasts isn't necessarily super long. And I think it's really just about that, like, desire have to have you now up against the wall. We can't help ourselves because we're so passionate. But it's also the amount of time that the sexual activity occurs for isn't super long. When I think about Quickie, the first image that comes to my mind is office romance, this hot and steamy office romance on deck and I'm having sex on the, on the table of the boss, those kind of scenarios. But apparently it's very popular among couples as well, busy couples. So tell us what are some of the benefits of having Quickies? I mean, I mean, as people like the longer they're in relationships or if their lives are busy, it's a really great way where you can carve in time where maybe the goal of your quickie is different than the goal, a longer sexual session that you have, which can take a bit of pressure off. It's a way that you can have this time with each other without maybe the pressure that you have with a longer type of sex session. And you because of the different goals of it, and I think really this feeling of being desired, that is really the core of the quickie. It's not actually like physical pleasure. It's this feeling and being desired and desiring someone else that can feel really great and affirming to people, especially maybe if they just need to a parent or something like that. And they just need to feel desired by their partner for a little moment. I talk about it with my clients is like being dessert. I think it's good to have some dessert, like fun food in your diet, but you don't want it to be the entire diet. I love this kind of a way of communicating with your partner that the sense of urgency that you talk about, like, I want you, I want you now, I can now wait longer. And sometimes we are in the relationship and then we are we're just not necessarily excited about foreplay or putting an effort in and we're more interested in quote unquote core play. And if if we don't have, if that's our, what something our partner wants, it's important to create a balance, as you mentioned, that kind of like having maybe more of a longer sessions or at times having more of a quickie to kind of have this boost of excitement in your relationships. And sometimes like any other situation, one partner might be more interested or in the mood in the moment than the other partner might not be. So how can we navigate this kind of like initiation when it comes to quickie? I think outside of instead of just like, let's go for it and see if it works. It's really understanding what each person is looking for and what they're getting out of it instead of compromising and 
giving one person what they want and another person doesn't get what they want unless that person really gets off on pleasing the other person. But then I'd argue you're both getting what you want. But in that kind of scenario, you want to you want to figure out a way to make everyone happy. So it's negotiation doesn't mean like zero sum game. I get this. You give up this. Both people should be able to get what they want. And that's easier when we understand how each of us wants to feel or what we want to happen during the quickie. So maybe my partner assumes that I want to come during a quickie. And I'm like, I actually don't care. I just want you to feel like you have to have me now. Everything can be very passionate. And that can, you know, take certain pressure off. Or if my partner wants to feel worshipped or whatever that is, so really communicating how we want to feel and what are the key elements of like, okay, so what makes you feel desired? It's like, well, when I'm grabbed or when I'm controlled or pushed up against something or like what whatever the thing may be in our mind, what that is, this is going to be easier to communicate with our partner so that we can either deliver on it and create that experience or we can find some sort of middle ground where both of us are getting what we want. I like the idea of communicating it, like maybe in the playful, sexy way and other contexts, you can talk about it or verbalizing kind of like what you want in the moment. How can we make you interested in this? So what are some of other better times for you to kind of have, have your needs met? Because the other side of it is if you're having sexual experiences that you're just like not feeling connected and you feel like, you're only doing it for the partner, then that can impact your sexual desire. But for the couples that are interested, that they want to kind of like create anticipation and excitement, what are some of the touches and kissing and other kind of physical intimacy that they can do to build up that excitement before a quickie? Yeah. So I think like with these are all different kinds of sex and sexual encounters. And we can have a lot of these. And it's kind of helpful to compartmentalize like, okay, a quickie is this for us. And making love is this for us. And like, fucking is this for us. And they're all different kinds of things. And for for the quickie, if we're thinking about this, it's immediacy, desire, like have to have you now. One of the things I really like for this is called possessive touch. So this is a kind of it's this immediacy kind of touch. And what is characteristic about it, it's kind of like, Short, long, short, long. So kind of reaching, grabbing, a lot of like gasping. But this possessive touch is a lot different. But it's just kind of like, you know, you the hands can go on different places of the body, but then there's a squeeze and then it moves to another place. But if you think of it as like, I want this, I have to have it, I'm going to have it now. And then that continues throughout the body. Another thing that can really accompany this really well is I call it like bated breath. So I, I have couples sometimes do this in sensation play class to like, especially to see how this can change their desire, but have one person kind of change their breathing so that they're just like gasping at certain times, even when you're just like face to face with that person. And it kind of changes this breath of like, oh, I'm excited. There's this anticipation building, even if you're the one manipulating your breath. And when you work these different things together, you can have this kind of like gasping, taking breath in as you kind of press or grab onto your partner. A great position for this as well is one partner's complete front pressed against their partner's back. It creates a lot of skin-to-skin contact. You can feel that bated breath, and then your hands are kind of free to grab in different places. The neck can be in a really nice exposed place, too. Things like nibbling and really light, light biting or other things can really signify this immense desire craving type of atmosphere. 
Oh, I love that. I haven't heard about that. This type of manipulation of the bread paired with touching. I think that's, that can make it so exciting and juicy. And as far as like a consent part, right? Like if you're wrong, long-term relationship, it's easier to read this situation, right? But if someone that's, that you are hooking up for a quickie, how can we communicate or how can we check in as we're kind of like in the midst of passion, hopefully at the beginning, but how is there a way for us to check in with our partner about the consent part? Yeah, well, especially in this kind of scenario, since everything is heightened, you run maybe a little bit more risk of being coercive. So I think questions like yes or no questions are not as good for this. I think it's more important for people to express their desires. This is what I want. A question I really like for people is like what makes sex fun for you or what makes a quickie fun for you and it could be like oh it's the immediacy of it or it's the fact that we might get caught like you figure out what is the fun aspect and then you can hone on it for that person instead of asking like okay can I do this can I do that because again your, your time is limited so there's you know you're less likely to to be able to get them to you know say exactly what they're feeling another approach I like I call it choose your own adventure but in this way I give you give people options instead of having them answer a question of like what do you want me to do and it's a lot less committal it's a lot easier to do multiple choice than it is to fill in the blank and if I do multiple choice, it doesn't mean like that's my favorite thing. It means out of what you've presented, that is what is most attractive. And it it helps both people communicate, but not have to have like an end all be all answer to this as well. And that can also be really hot if like you're hooking up and you're like, OK, do you want me to bite your thigh next? Should I grab your butt or, you know, what whatever it may be, you can make it as like sexy as you want it. But it also really gives another person agency, which is really what you're after with consent. You want someone to be able to tell you what they want. And I love how you frame it like that. Choose your adventure, right? It's kind of bring this excitement into this kind of like psychological arousal in a way of building anticipation of how would that look like in your mind's eye. And sometimes people think about consent needs to be super dry and they feel it kills the mood. But that's the perfect example of how you can use it to build psychological arousal. So as far as the using of words and phrases to create a sense of urgency, what are some of the suggestions you have for people? Honestly, like all of these things, like ideally you're not deciding everything with your quickie as it's happening. Like these are wonderful things to work into like dirty talk and foreplay and a lot of sexting. You can do the choose your own adventure there. But what you're trying to do is avoid the, these landmine words. You're trying to avoid things that will shut your partner down because when your partner shuts down, they're less likely to be present, to communicate with you and to be in a place where they feel safe enough to be aroused. So we want to keep in that space. And there's a couple of different questions that I think are really important for partners to ask each other related to a quickie or not. And so though and verbally, it's what are like three names you like to be called in a sexual context and three names that you don't like to be called. So that gives this person option. If let's say my person wants me to call them like a good girl and I'm like, I don't I don't like doing that. I can go to the second thing that they like. And also then I start to get ideas of what they don't like so I can avoid things that are going to make them shut down or turn them off. A same thing for words that we call our genitals. So maybe words that they prefer versus don't. I think specifically for people with vulvas, it's like, you know, cunt versus pussy. Those are two very, very different words. And that can be hot for someone or take them out of it. We tend to be very particular 
about the words we are okay with or we like our genitals being called. And then the last two are three different types of physical compliments that you enjoy and three types of non-physical compliments you enjoy. So that way your words just go a lot further. So if you don't really like if you don't like being complimented maybe on your chest, but you love when someone compliments on your skin or your hair, then I know that certain things I can like say about you like that's going to mean a lot more to you than, you know, these other kind of comments that don't really do it as much or they're just kind of superficial to you. We tend to like to be complimented on things that we value more about ourselves. And, you know, physical and non-physical gives that option for people as well. I love this idea of talking about it ahead of time. You're right that like, especially when it comes to dirty talking, people have strong preferences. It's, for example, for everyone can be different. I, I'm okay with both of the pussy and cons, but if they, they, as you can see, I'm a Iranian American, but if I just, they say it in a force eternal, like, ew, <laughs> I put this shut down and people might not think about it that way. So I think talking about it, it would be interesting ahead of time. And I wonder, I know for some people that they get anxious, kind of dirty talking, sometimes even describing the situation that what are you enjoying in that moment that can also help with it kind of building things up and creates excitement. And you don't necessarily need to have this elaborate language for it or be very skilled with it. You can just describe what are you experiencing, what's enjoyable, what are you noticing about your partner that you feel it's hot. And I think when I think about quickie, where all there is an anticipation, there's a build-up part for most people, right? And kind of like it could be build-up, could be psychological build-up, like creating tension through touch, through kind of sexting, texting, all, all of those things. But I guess it sounds like the act of doing that, what quote-unquote you consider sex is quicker. Do we get that right? Yeah, absolutely. It's a lot like, you know, that and that tension, that build up could be something that's built up over a week. It could be something that's built up over the past 10 minutes. It doesn't even have to be in person, but it's kind that the act of the quickie is sort of that eruption. So the build up comes to that point and then there is this immediate eruption. I know one of the things that makes a quickie interesting for some people is this fear of getting caught that you talk about it. Of course, all of our listeners, like you want to follow the rules in your area. We're not encouraging breaking laws, but what are some of the creative and discreet locations for having a quickie outside your bedroom? Yeah. So, I mean, the the thing about this is it's novelty. You know, it adds, we can add novelty in so many different ways that don't necessarily have to be, you know, changing your location or going into a hotel room with like the windows open or something like that. Even just changing the location of like where in your house that you are, maybe you're in your kitchen, maybe you're in the living room, maybe you're in your bathroom, you know, depending on, you know, if you have children or if you have people that you live with, like where your elements of privacy are, but figure out how much you are safe with and then you can you know, add this element of someone watching. Maybe you just open up the Zoom screen and like no one's in the meeting or something, but it's there and you have to kind of double check to make sure. So it, it can be to your comfort level in terms of safety, but it's really just the novelty of doing it somewhere you do not normally do this in, which is likely it's usually on a bed or in a bedroom for someone. So it can be as simple as like leaving one of the blinds a little bit open or going into a different room of the house or, you know, Maybe the blinds are closed, but the windows open so someone could maybe hear it or, or, or whatever it is to your comfort level. 
or maybe you can have a kind of path that's in your backyard, kind of like, you know, still within your, your space, but there's more element of getting, get being seen or getting caught. And people have different levels of tolerance. So it's important to talk about it with your partner and with yourself. But sometimes adding a little bit of excitement can really re-energize your, your sexual experiences. One of the most popular quickie places for my clients is inside shower. I know many of them, they have kids and that's the place that they feel they have some privacy. Yeah, absolutely. Well, tell us, is it like when it comes to quickie, we're thinking about passion, urgency, but what do you think about using it as a tool for building intimacy and connection in a relationship? Yeah, I, I mean, I really think we can use anything as a tool for building that, anything that can create some type of communication and shared experience together. And I think specifically about talking about, you know, this type of sex, a quickie is different than, a, you know, any other night that we are going to be having sex. So maybe we can discuss of what we're looking to get out of it. And I mean, for a lot of people, orgasm isn't necessarily going to happen within a quickie, which takes this pressure of orgasm off and lets us express like, what do we enjoy out of sex that isn't just orgasm? or that isn't just like physical pleasure related to our genitals. What is the fun way of making the, your quickie even more exciting is incorporating fantasy and role playing. Do you have any suggestion around that? Yeah, so I think for, I mean, role play is so, it's really broad, but I think in, the key with role play is instead of trying to pretend that you were a character, which can feel very silly and not familiar for people, just think about any kind of like added dynamic that you could put in place so you don't have to like be in character and being like oh no you're the teacher are you gonna do this kind of a thing but maybe there's some kind of scenario that you're adding so maybe you pretend that you're at the workplace and the boss is gonna catch you or maybe it's a scenario where you know, this person is supposed to be, you know, watching over you and they're taking advantage of you or thinking about, again, those feelings that you want to feel. What are dynamics that can add to that? But it doesn't have to be like a play or a script or something like that where you're like, OK, you're the medieval knight. I'm going to be the princess. It's really getting that feeling. So I have like a huge like I love feeling like a damsel and just feeling like people are clamoring to save me or something like that. So I don't have to have like, you know, I'm not Princess Peach specifically, but having this ideal, it's like now my partner kind of knows maybe how to act or what to say. But I mean, with role play, it can feel it really, really silly for people. So I think like that's especially where just changing your environment can be helpful. I like that. And I think kind of thinking about it more of the kind of changes and changing of the dynamic can be interesting. I, at times I asked a couple that I work with to do this like two minute exercise, quiz exercise, get that they negotiate their partner doing a two minute of a sexual favor for them. And of course, like through consent and all of that, but that, that gives them opportunity to experiment something new in such a short period of time. And I think quickie also can be that that opportunity for you. Maybe you're curious about more of like your submissive part or dominant part. And you're going to talk about it with your partner, but also maybe that you can give you a quick glimpse of what would that look like for you? Is it exciting? That's, that's also something else that people kind of experiment with. And the building arousal, as you said, can be challenging. I think unless you are 16, 
building arousal might take more than a couple of minutes of kissing and touching. What do you recommend people to do to build arousal, even if their goal is not experiencing orgasm? I mean, one is that you can come into the quickie having already aroused yourself or already masturbated or, or whatever that may be. There are plenty of ways where we we don't have to wait for our body to be aroused to experience pleasure. Sometimes we can give ourselves pleasure in order to experience that arousal. And one question I always like to ask people instead of, you know, what what gets you aroused? It's what makes you feel safe so that you can be in a space where you can feel arousal? Because a lot of the times we're missing that one thing instead of like, why am I not being turned on? It's like, well, usually you like someone like acknowledging you and making you feel seen before you can feel aroused. And that's the piece that's missing. But there, I mean, whether it's actual physical touch that we do onto ourselves or whether it's like, you know, a nice breathing exercise or even just simply just like moving our pelvic floor around, putting on a song that gets you jazz and just writhing around on your bed. We can really trick our body into getting into this place of arousal as well. And, you know, the better we get to know ourselves, the more we can either ask our partner to meet us on this or we can kind of, you know, lead them the way. If we're doing our like, if I know I need to be mentally aroused to be physically aroused and I tell my partner of like, tell me all the things you love about me or tell me, let's talk to me about the last time we hooked up and, you know, talk, tell me about like going down on me or, or whatever it may be. I don't have to wait for them to meet me on it. I can really lead that stage. Well, I truly believe that, of course, the kind of sexual encounter needs to be collaborated, but each person is responsible for their own pleasure in a way. So I love the idea that you mentioned about maybe if you're thinking about you're going to this quickie, you can build arousal, whether it's like psychological arousal, thinking about your fantasies, things you want to do with the partner, you have done in the bats with the partner, reading erotica, watching things. Or it could be even exploring kind of your body, kind of like doing, like I know many people do even edging that like put themselves in a kind of reach of getting an orgasm closer to orgasm and then stop stimulation. So they feel like they're in more of a hyper arousal state when they're with their partner. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean, these are ways that we can really, we can play and manipulate our, with our own pleasure all the time. And we can even make it a game. So instead of being like, I didn't reach orgasm, it's like, I'm just going to keep edging myself until I get to whenever that peak is. So it really has to do with like the stories that we're telling ourselves and, you know, what kind of responsibility we're giving to ourselves and our partner. Absolutely. And I think sometimes people love to kind of add other kind of like new sex tech stuff to help them build arousal. For example, I know there are different, different loops that you can use that have different sensation. There are gels that you can put your vulva specifically for vulva owners to help them to build arousal. What are some of your thoughts on those tools? With a lot of the different like lubricants that are designed, whether it's to get you in a state of arousal or more, I think really what they're doing is there's, it's just different sensations that's bringing your attention to that area. I really like lubes that have things like ginger, cinnamon, peppermint, because those are things that provide natural sensations, whether that is something that is causing more blood flow to happen. So it becomes warming or something like, you know, peppermint where it's very cooling and that just applies a different sensation to that. But really, you know, these aren't like miracle bombs, but what they're tools that can bring your attention and have you 
bring, I mean, really your attention and your intention. So it's bringing a different intention to the way that you're either touching yourself or the way that you're noticing how your body is responding to different things. Well, we cover so many different things about Quickie. Is there anything that you want to make sure that our listeners know before we end our conversation? I mean, one of the most important things, whether you are doing role play, whether you're having a quickie or whether you're trying to delve into BDSM dynamics is really focusing on the feelings as opposed to the activity, because the feelings and how we want to feel and how our partner wants to feel helps us understand where we are journeying towards. But it also can inform whatever activity we are doing or if, you know, we like this activity and our partner doesn't. It's like, OK, well, what's another activity where I can feel the way I want and you can feel the way that you want? And it's important to know, too, that these feelings aren't just like, I want to feel good. I want to feel horny or turned on. It's like, I want to feel adored. I want to feel desired. I want to feel objectified or what, whatever they would be. They're just a, lo- a lot more descriptive words than just good, hot. <laughs> well, that is so important to know our kind of core erotic emotion. What do we want to feel and kind of be in a way unapologetic about it. I know that I was just recently have this conversation with a client that after years, she discovered that she likes to be adored during sexual encounter. And she was like very uncomfortable about it. But what we are, who we are. And I think the more that we get comfortable with our erotic selves, I think that can be very hot and exciting for our partners as well. I know we talked about, you talked about kind of like maybe doing something for yourself and doing some. Like if you if you want to take turn in a way, which I think can compromise that's are really, really helpful. At times I tell people that if you go to that path, you want to choose something that feels like neutral. I would say like if it's zero as I hate this activity and tennis, like I'm this would drive me wild. You want to go five and up if you're compromising. I feel when people constantly go like lower than that, that can create negative energy in the relationship and also create kind of dissatisfaction. What do you think about that? Yeah, absolutely. It's like, you know, the things we're ambivalent about, sometimes it's like, well, I know I don't love this. I don't hate it, give or take. But when my partner's really into it, that's kind of fun because I like seeing them having the time of their life. But yeah, we shouldn't be doing anything that we like do not, that we actively like don't enjoy. So something that we don't like doing that we're doing for our partner, especially when like there's so much options and creativity where we can find different alternatives where both of us can enjoy it or one where one person really enjoys it and the other enjoys that the other person's enjoying it and finding this. It's, you know, no matter how much our partner likes us, loves us, thinks we're so hot, you know, they don't have to do the things that we are into. They don't have to satisfy all of our needs. That's where it's like discussion. And I don't even want to say the word compromise because it's really understanding and finding, you know, a different path that we can go on together, but it's not this is my fetish and my partner loves me. So they have to do this thing with me. You know, that's that's not necessarily the case. You know, if thinking about especially like I always like to verbalize as people like, do you really want me to do this if you know I'm going to be actively hating it the whole time? And they're like, oh, no, it's like, yeah, <laughs> when I phrase it that way, it's totally different than like, if you don't do this, it's because you don't like me or love me. I, I like that a lot. And I at times make it kind of like a comparison with food, for example, if you go into someone's birthday, like you want to give your partner a fun birthday dinner, if they are taking you to a restaurant that you hate, you cannot tolerate it, 
then you will have a reaction throughout the night and that will dampen their excitement as well versus going to the place that feels neutral. Like, you know, I'm not a big fan of ramen, but my husband loves it. And when we go there and it's just so excited and he adds things to my ramen as well, it can be an overall positive experience. So I think it's important to kind of like make that clarification for yourself. And even communicating that with your partner, if like once that you are like with once you're having those experiences and you feel like your needs are not getting met. But many of our listeners are curious about where can they find you? Because you're, it seems like you have so many great tips that I'm sure that we haven't covered a quarter of them here as well. So what are some of the places that our listeners can find you? Yeah, so my website is lolajean.com and that's where you can find over, I don't know, 40 plus different kinds of video courses and classes and activities that I have different kinds of instruction on. My social media is lolajean.com with the D-O-T spelled out and that's the same on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. I have a lot of fun little free content in those areas. And I also am a headmistress of Seven Days of Domination, which is an online marathon kink education taught by the pros. And we have over, I think, 80 classes there, 40 different instructors. So there has never been more ways to learn in all of those different avenues. <laughs> I love that. I love all of these different teaching that you offer. And hopefully we'll have you in future episodes so we can learn more from you. Thank you so much for your time. This was a very fun conversation. Thank you. I hope you guys got some great information about how to connect with your partner in a spontaneous and fun ways and how you can build up arousal and excitement. I also wanted to share a resource with you. If you have not downloaded our foreplay checklist, make sure you're heading over our show notes and get the checklist right now because I included nine of the best ways to bring up arousal and excitement that you can implement tonight. The other thing I wanted to share with you that I have been for a few months creating YouTube videos, answering you guys' question in YouTube and talking about some of the repeated complaints that I hear people have and addressing them on my YouTube channel. So if you haven't checked it out, it's at Sexology Podcast. You can find us at YouTube and follow us and give us some love. All right, I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.